From the studios of their respective lounge rooms, a team of pyjama-clad TV tragics ready to slice, dice and dissect the best and worst of what's on the box. It's TV Binge Box. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Bennett. Welcome to TV Binge Box. We're back for another week of chatting the best, worst and everything in between of what's on the telly this week. It's a very big welcome to our Binge Box team, whom I missed very much last week. Hello, Steve Mulk. We missed you too, Dan, and I can guarantee for everybody listening, I am not one of the masked singers. <laughs> oh, well, that's good to know. Joe Casamento, it's lovely to see your face as always. Hello, hello. We did miss you, Dan. We did. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And rounding out the team is the age and SMH columnist, Mr. Stephen Brook. Hey, Brookie. Hello, I might be one of the masked singers. <laughs> Ooh, are you the kitten? <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> so much to get through this week, team. Let's not waste any time. A little later, we'll be group binging the SBS drama series Why Women Kill. Mm. Hang around for that one. Plus, Mulk's back in the archives for another round of Rewind. But first, let's kick this bad boy off by finding out what our binge boxes have been watching this week in... Clap or Slap. Mulk, your first cab off the rank this week. What's been entertaining your eye holes? Dan, a, a, a lot of things, but I'm not going to expose you to all of them because oh. I, I appreciate <laughs> I talk too much in this podcast anyway. So I'll try get this. I will try and cut myself back. All right. Watched all right, a lot of TV, all of the standards, right? Mask singer. Just take that as a given. I'm there. Um, I have been watching season two of Liar. Uh, that for me, yep. season one was a breakout hit. Joanne Froggett, Joanne Grufford, fabulous story of intrigue, betrayal, and a whodunit all wrapped up into one. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Season two has been the extension of that, right? Uh, we saw at the end of season one, this is not a spoiler. The series is at least two years old now. Um, he is found dead in the moors uh, and everyone wonders who did it. And season two is unraveling that. The okay. only problem is it's nowhere near as good as season one. It's actually a bit of a shocker that right. it's so convoluted and roundabout and upside down. Uh, it hasn't helped as far as eyeballs go that yep. it is behind Between Two Worlds, as in, in the time slot. And as yep. Between Two Worlds has been bumped back, it's been bumped back. So, yep. for example, this Sunday night, if you want to watch it, set your, your you know recording devices, people, because it starts airing at 11.45. Yeah, because oh, Between Two time. Worlds is doing doubles from this week, right? Yeah, Between Two Worlds, they're mm. burning off. Um, yep. So it's, it's record it or seven plus it. If yep. you want to. It does get revealed about halfway through the final ep. Um, I was, I'll say, unsatisfied, but it wasn't bad. I okay. watched Joanne Froggett in anything. It was, it was okay. It just wasn't great. Um, I have previewed the first episode of the Salisbury Poisonings, which is coming this coming week, so next week, on SBS. It's in the 8.30 time slot ahead of Hungry Ghosts, the Australian drama. Mm. Um, four nights, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, I've only seen the first ep. I'm hooked. I'm going to okay. watch it. For those of you that don't remember, there were two. There was a Russian spy and his daughter that were poisoned, as it turns out, by That's right. uh, the yeah. KGB. Mm. And they were found on a common in Salisbury, convulsing, mm-hmm. vomiting, passing in and out of consciousness. Nobody knew what was wrong. Uh, and they have pieced, They thought it was like a nerve gas attack mm-hmm. on the whole region or a poisoning on a whole bunch of people. Uh, the, the stories pieced together from eyewitness accounts, police records, all sorts of things. So this it's is a documentary, pretty, not scripted? No, it's a scripted drama oh, version scripted. of okay. what went on. Wow. Um, but they also intercut um, TV archive footage. Okay. 
So, because so, when there's people in, you know, hazmat suits, could be anyone, mm. definitely yeah. that's TV news stuff. Um, so it's interesting. I'm keen to see how they progress it. Again, it's it's not it's not a hard watch. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, intriguing is how I'll put it. Very good. Uh, as I said, that's on SBS and will be, of course, on SBS On Demand. I was disappointed uh, because I've snuck ahead to learn that the final episode of season one of War of the Worlds this Thursday night on SBS is doesn't resolve anything. I was oh. hoping for, and this is how we killed the monsters, the end. Yeah. Um, and I did, through some research, find that season two has been called. So hopefully, maybe we get to find out this is how they killed the monsters, the end next time. Um, but well, noting I, that I this think we took... can tell you because H.G. Wells wrote it in the I know, but Brookie, because century, it's an updated so. <laughs> version, maybe look. Here's the thing: because season two hasn't even started production, maybe the coronavirus gets them. Who oh. knows? Um, but we'll have to see what plays out. I have gets enjoyed... them as in gets the aliens or gets humanity. Yes, gets the aliens. Gets okay. the aliens. Um, I have enjoyed Gabriel Byrne, though he's not in it enough. It's a it's a pretty broad cast. Um, and I did notice sort of in last week's ep- episode seven that as it was tapering, all of our, you know, uh, the people groups that we're following haven't tapered to get anywhere near each other to be able to help solve the problem. So is it still one major character is offed every week and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller? Because I kind Ostensibly, of yeah. watched halfway through and then I sort of thought, ah. Oh. I've, I've lost interest. I've forgotten it. Maybe, I don't know why. It's just dropped off my viewing thing. Yeah. It is guaranteed someone dies every ep. Yeah. And last week's episode had, for mine, the biggest shock. But you kind of saw it coming the minute that scene started. Um, okay. Who knows? We'll die in the finale. I'm not going to spoil that for you. Uh, I have been watching the reality stuff, particularly Tens. I'll talk about my views on The Masked Singer when we get to that. But The Bachelor... Um, surprised me a little i really like the casting i like the way Ah. that they're playing up the the women against each other already very clearly the the favorites and the bad girls and all of that sort of stuff interesting Um, as opposed to bachelor in paradise which is horrendous this is not much better as a premise but and i wasn't even a fan of Lockie being the bachelor but i'm ready for Lockie to find love oh my god hashtag ginger lives matter hey steve what about the redhead and her meltdown that was fabulous and that was phenomenal because they even this was the best part they kept in the producer question that was like oh so someone said something to you and she went no I was like, so. I just saw the clip. There was. I like the violin music they put over it. Oh, fabulous! You <laughs> are all speaking a language I do not understand. Okay, oh. so Brookie, I have to fill you in because it was so <laughs> yeah. funny. There was this gorgeous redhead in there, very Nicole Kidman esque, mm. sort of very tall, white, pale skin, uh, and red hair. And she gets, uh, you know, how they all fight for the, you know, Strong affections on, too. on the first night. And she was with uh, the Batchy Lockie and. She gets sort of ejected from her moment with Lockie by another girl in the house who mm. happens to be what nationality would you say, Steve? She's uh, certainly very I exotic she was looking. Australian with some indigenous kind of angles. Yeah, very exotic. But you know, she is definitely the person of colour in that scenario. Mm. And then the uh, Ginger Lives Matter girl—that's what I call her. What's her name? I can't remember. <laughs> but she kind of has this complete meltdown. Clearly, she's been plied with way too many champagnes. And she yep. just loses it. It's kind of a moment for drunk girls, 
drunk white girls on TV, please don't. <laughs> and uh, she's kind of going, we matter too. Us mm. redheads are special, but we really matter. So it was very, very, it was Brilliant. just one of those bizarre moments. And then she was too sick to go to the rose ceremony. She was feeling <laughs> under the weather or something. So amazing. She? she got way too drunk. It was, look, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm keen to see where this lands. Spoilers, uh, a friend of mine that I go to church with played in the string septet that is featured in the finale commitment ceremony. Oh, oh wow. wow. So and they, she, know the, and I said, they know the ending. She knows who Lockie ends up with. And I went, so what will it cost me? And she said, the contract is watertight. I will oh, not say a word. Wow. Good on it, by there the way, because I absolutely want to know. Um, mm. My clap or slap this week is one that we have talked about before. In fact, it's one that we have group binged, but I've used my powers and connections with the preview angels uh, to be uh, having watched episode five of season eight of Wentworth. Uh, and it is a Pete McTie special. It is brilliant. Uh, so that's next week's app. No yep. spoilers from me. Tonight's episode as we record, oh my God, is amazing. So this season is kicking all sorts of goals. Uh, if you were unconvinced by our glowing resolve over the season eight premiere, holy shit. Get back, get started, and get into it. This is divine Australian drama. You have to be watching this season of Wentworth. Do uh, can I it. jump in at the start of Please. this? Asking for a friend. Yes. Can I jump in at the start of season eight, or do I have to go right back to the beginning and like our great bingey and watch all mm. seven years in a week? Oh, yeah, that was heavy lifting too. I'd say uh, you I, need I to say... watch the first season, definitely. There's, it depends on how connected you are to sort of either the Wentworth or Prisoner um, kind of universe. Well, I can remember Peter Tapano running over her husband in the car. I'm yeah, that's not going to help you too much. You know what, Bookie, you're actually doing yourself a great disservice because it is one of the most yeah. brilliant uh, first season series. Your friend series. is doing themselves a great disservice, yes. Yeah, episode, uh, series ever, so I you could You could you jump it. in because there's enough new characters that will barrel you along, but there's also, and the recaps, I have to say, at the start of each ep are pretty great to bring you up to speed, but you absolutely get the joy of six seasons behind you if you if you manage yeah, to do well, it. Yeah, well, I kind of like to, to be methodical. That's yeah. me. Yeah. Huge clap. Uh, massive congratulations to the entire cast and crew and huge raps uh, for the writing team because they are killing it. That room, my goodness, how they got this season out. And I don't even want to think about what they're doing for season nine because the bar is already astronomically high. Cannot wait to check out the rest of that one. Thank you, Malk Brookie. What have you got for us this week? I actually went to the pictures because that's kind <gasps> of allowed. Oh, you're so what? cute. The pictures. The picture theatre. <laughs> I'm mentioning it because it is bound to end up on a streaming service at some point uh, quite soon, I imagine. Mm. House of Kardam, which oh. is a feature-length documentary series about Pierre Cardin, who mm. I thought was a Excellent French... French fashion designer but he's actually born in italy one wow. of the many uh, and he's still alive who knew in his 90s one of the many fascinating things about this documentary going through his life and times i don't know if it's just me but i seem to remember a pierre cardin um brand was super hot in the 80s it was kind of regarded mm. as the epitome yeah. of fashion the suits the clothing, and then it kind of seemed to go a bit crazy and you could find it on everything. You could find it on watches, you could find it mm. on cameras. 
you could find it on all sorts of things and the documentary really explains in quite some fascinating detail how he licensed his brand all around the world uh, and ended up really doing it a great deal of damage because it, it, it became sort of low rent and things you'd get in airports but actually significantly opened up manufacturing markets in Russia, firstly, and mm. China. And there's amazing footage of a fashion parade he has on the Great Wall of China. Because wow. he used to rock up to these countries and say, yeah, 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 I'm going to license my brand to you if you want to make some local clothes. And that's how he spread around the world. Oh, wow. Excellent documentary if you're interested in fashion or the business of fashion or culture, because he definitely had a cultural moment. One thing, and I hope this is fixed, because it nearly ruined the documentary for me. It's the first time it's ever happened to me. Poor subtitling. Ooh. Oh. So subtitling that did not match up with what was obviously happening on screen, that sometimes seemed to be late or out of order. And then they'd go through three subtitles in quick... And I am a fast reader in quick succession and I tell you what it just robbed you yeah. the viewer of That's comprehension really yeah. it was a real crime yeah and, and I feel the same when the subtitles go burk on TV so I yeah. feel that and it made me just realise how great SBS you know that little those yellow subtitles that we all grew up with what a fine job they yeah. have done over the years still watching Vera on mm. ABC my Sunday night staple it's almost getting to the least likely suspect turns out to be the murderer so I just wonder if it has outlived its welcome ABC have teamed it with Shetland which is another mm -hmm. murder procedural which is a lot gorier set in Shetland Isles and also Scotland I don't think it's as good as Vera it's a bit sort of gorier uh, I haven't really watched too much else because I've become obsessed this is quite unlike me with a Netflix documentary yes. I love this Brookie Indian matchmaking. Rookie, look at you loving love. Well, which just, uh, we had when we put our poll out the other week, it got quite a few recommendations. And I happened to go away for the weekend with a mate of mine who was fully up on it. And we went to Southern Highlands and basically watched television all weekend. Right. Um, and uh, I just became obsessed with this program. It's a half hour documentary series. Uh, it does completely what it says on the tin auntie Seema is mumbai's best matchmaker and she goes round to very eligible very attractive young indians who need to be married off arranged marriages is not a term that auntie Seema approves of it's either a marriage or it's a love marriage and she does all the she gets wow. does the interviews and she gets all the bio data and then uh, she matches up people who have their meeting and it sort of it goes further or they reject it. And if there's problems, she goes to an astrologer. And if there's real problems, and this was fascinating, she goes to a guy who reads people's faces. So she plops down a picture of this Gosh. person and we've already met them in the series. And he says, what is this person's name? And she tells him and she goes, oh, she's obstinate and bossy. And I tell you what, he's right every time. <laughs> what really gives this a lift though, is that they also go to America and it's that fascinating American Indian connection of people who okay. want to date other Indians. They have uh, cultural connections. They were born in America. They are Americans, but they're also really Indians and it does force you as Mulk said 
somewhat snidely, but it's true loving love because it does force you to evaluate what is important. And each episode of the series is topped and tailed with these fantastic older couples. You never meet them again. They're on screen for about two minutes telling their love story, which is always an arranged Excellent. marriage story about how they met and you know they met 40 years ago and went on a date and then their families decided, yep, they're getting married and they go from there. So that's a big clap from me, Indian matchmaking. Hope you get hooked as I did. Good one, Brookie. When I saw on your Insta stories over the weekend that you were watching that, I was very thrilled. I thought, that's not, my that's not typically a Brookie show. My friend is like an Instagram demon, so I think there is just shots of me with my jaw open sitting <laughs> watching this thing. It was almost like I was being live blogged, which is a very new experience for me. I've been looking forward to your review since then. Yes, those pictures were very good. Thank you, Brookie. Joe. what has been on your watch list? Okay, well, between next week's homework, which is Dirty John, and this mm. week's homework, I was pretty... Pretty much up all night binging on 80s heaven, but we'll get back to that. In, we'll get back to that down the track. Um, but the kids and I have been enjoying all those things you said, Malk, Must, Singer. We watched the finale of Ninja Warriors, loving The Bachelor. It never disappoints. Mm. I just, that show, it is just the gift that keeps giving. Um, <laughs> and also I tuned in as well to the new Spotlight, the new seven um, investigative reporting show which featured Lindy Chamberlain this week Mm. and I gotta say it was so fascinating I think it's 40 years on the kids were fascinated because it is exactly um, 40 years this week exactly they've actually seen the you know Meryl Streep bad version of Dingo Ate My Baby sort of thing Um, and it really put a different spin on it and I'm ashamed to say she was still in the category of did she, didn't she, until I watched this uh, wonderful, wonderful investigation where um, Mark Llewellyn, who's a brilliant producer, and, and uh, Denham Hitchcock uh, was the journalist on the job, a wonderful investigative reporter, and they really went through some old um, tapes that I imagine were buried deep within the seven bunker there and also traced back first eyewitnesses on the scene so that Mm. i urge you to go download if you've got any question marks over where you sit in the lindy chamberlain case i urge you to look at this and you'll just see how bad the police investigation was from the beginning and yeah i watched that one too joe it was i was really taken aback because i thought you know we'd heard this story a million times Mm -hmm. thought you knew all there was to know but you're absolutely right there's some new angles in this one and really interesting i thought as well Mm. to hear from Denim Hitchcock's father, who was mm. a Channel 10 journo at the time. Um, so he had a real insight into oh, the really? case as well. And He'd covered yes. it and he believed in her innocence for all innocence. those years and was one of the first to put it out on uh, to the nation uh, that she was innocent. And then when they had the um, dingo hair expert and mm. it just was, uh, as a mum, you just think, how did this woman deal with not only the grief of losing the baby but then that on top of it? It's just... It's yeah. too unfair for words. Did and, you, and, sorry, did Mark. you catch? That's all right. Did you catch Lindy Chamberlain's interview on the project on Sunday night? I caught a bit of it, and uh, honestly, isn't she fantastic for what she's been through? Oh. For what she's still, she's got a, an amazing sense of humor. Uh, yep. Lust Loved for her life. Hair. Everything was great. Like it was really great. Yeah, yeah. I mean to hear her talk. The other thing, sorry, the other thing that they did on the project, and this was delightful. Um, kind of tongue in cheek, of course, but acknowledging the fact that. In her uttering those words out of complete trauma, you know, a dingo's got my baby, how they entered popular culture lexicon. 
and mm. they showed this very quick package of all these shows that have either used the line, referenced it, or all sorts of, and it was freaking hilarious. Like, just the cut to it, the all sorts of things. The fact, Of course, Seinfeld, Elaine Bennis, you know, referencing a dingo ate your baby, um, and all of those sorts of things, mm. as obviously long after the event happening, but the fact that that line now sits as something, particularly because of Evil Angels, you know, highlighting it to the world, that here's a story, and an American having a red hot go at an Australian accent. Um, just the way that it landed is <laughs> fabulous to see America reflect back to us, which we don't see often, Australian culture. No, globally it was absolutely, but absolutely massive. But a few days later I watched, um, I, I, can't, I don't know if it was on the project as well, but the mother who had who's tragically lost three of her six children in that awful pedestrian car uh, crash not so long ago and to see her sit there and say she can't cry anymore she's obviously the most amazing woman you know who I'm talking mm. about don't you the, the yes, yeah. young yep. drunk guy who, who drove into the kids who were out getting an yep. ice cream and to judge how a mother grieves in the perspective of Lindy as well it's just unbelievable how you know that was mm. yeah it, it's something definitely worth looking at Okay, yeah. my daughter's doing a geography project on the inequities in the world's health systems, talking globally, mm. Mock. So uh, we found SICO, the uh, Michael Moore docos, which is um, a devastating comparison of the highly profitable American healthcare industry to other nations. Um, I think you can rent it on Amazon Prime. We had to watch it in three sittings. It's one of his drier ones, I think. Um, it's lesser known, I think, than his other documentaries, Bowling for Columbine and Fahrenheit mm. 9-11 and 11-9. Uh, but it was still utterly fascinating watching the system, especially now. This was made, I think, in 2012, but now with coronavirus and, and, and how their system has so badly handled uh, their death rate, their continuing mm. to rise death rate compa comparatively to other countries in the world was quite fascinating. Um, it just is mind-boggling, really. But onto my clap or slap for the week, I want to precurse this by saying I have only watched one season and I know I'm going to get hate mail for this. Um, and they have just announced the third and from what I understand, or well, according to Molk on Facebook, the second season builds on the first. But I finally got my free membership to binge. So the first thing I have been dying to watch is uh, Succession. It's got 17 Emmys. It's apparently based on the Murdochs who I've worked for my whole life. It has <laughs> everything going for it that I would think I would, would turn me on, basically. It just, I was, I was hanging out to see this series. Um, it had the, has had the best word of mouth, I think, since Game of Thrones, possibly. Uh, which I also mm -hmm. came to late and, and absolutely loved, even though I picked that up late. But Succession, which follows the lives, I'm sure you all know the premise of the mega gazillionaires, the Roy family who control a big media conglomerate. On his 80th birthday, he announces he has absolutely no intention of stepping down as CEO, which then goes on to create this whole heap of tensions and conniving machinations among his heirs. It's near impossible not to be uh, picturing the Murdochs in, the, in this yes. scenario, but basically a heap of really seedy characters doing really unscrupulous things, a sort of I, survival of the fittest kind of thing. I'm not a fan of Kieran Culkin. I don't know if it's his character or him. I have to watch him in something else, but mm, he really... 
do you like this show or not? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm leading up to it. I think you can tell where I'm leading to. The opening credits, Brookie, are bloody fantastic. I think it's the only series I've ever binged and still wanted to sit through the opening, you know, usually skip it. Yeah. But the characters are so despicable. Have you watched it, Brookie? Yeah, I love it. You love it, okay. And I found the premise of the first two episodes fantastic. I wondered fantastic. if it was a documentary, not a drama. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's disappointed from there on. It is, you know, maybe I like things cloaked in soapy storylines. I don't know, but the series is very dark. It's serious. It's sharp. It's sharp as a tack, but um, there's no light and shade. The characters have I no redeeming features. Horrible, but no I one like speaks them. like I that. Like the Roy family. I just like uh, them. I felt mm. like in the middle of They're season so one, it was getting quite boring. I couldn't get what everyone was on about. It did regain some of its status for me in the final two episodes, which are the wedding, which were you know full of brilliant one-liners and, and amazing scenarios. But if you've already had your fill of watching men in high business offices threatening to disembowel their opponents, then, <laughs> I, you know, I just it wasn't so for me. didn't you think it was done with panache and conviction and well-realised? Oh, look, the, the performances are brilliant. The script writing is, I can't fault. But it lacks heart, Brookie. That's mm-hmm. what it lacks. And okay. I'm going to leave my verdict open to season two. But... I want to say at this point, it's a one-handed clap on my thigh. Okay. I actually hear you, Joe. I (laughs) first discovered this show from Malk. He mentioned it back Mm -hmm. over on TV Black Box back in the day. And I started watching it and I struggled through season one, I've got to say. But I got to the end of it and I thought, do I want to do season two? Like, I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't sort of jumping at joy to watch season two. But I went into season Uh two and and I would now say that it's my favourite show on television. It's right. So, right. so it's my favourite show on television. Three against one. Yeah. So okay. stick with it. If stick you with uh, stick with it, you, I reckon you might just come around. I think you'll find the heart you're looking for in season two, and yeah. it will disgust you. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, but the guy anyway. from the quiz, he has a completely different. He's he's yeah, actually oh, my favourite yeah. character. Just in. acres apart as characters. Yeah, right. but, but shows what a brilliant actor he is. Matthew. Yes. Well, the snivelling husband, yeah. so great. Yeah. Okay, I'll reserve judgment. Thank you very much, Joe. For me this week, first up, over on Stan, I had a look at Michelle Obama, Life After the White House. This Mm. one, very much what it says on the tin, a look at Michelle Obama's life now that the family is out of the White House. Who snored? Sorry, that was me. Um, Do we care? Do we care? Once she's out of the White House, do we care? It also talks a bit about her path to the White House Mm. as well and her relationship with Barack. I'm a huge Michelle Obama fan, so I enjoyed this one very much. With the exception, I have to say, of the choice of voiceover person, who I found a little grating, and that was slightly distracting. But as an insight into Michelle Obama's life, and to be honest, to restore a little bit of faith in American politics and the people surrounding it, after the last four years, it's a good watch. That's Michelle Obama, Life After the White House on Stan. Next, Netflix launched a couple of new docu-series over the past couple of weeks, and you know that I was all over them. Um, First, World's Most Wanted, five episodes in this run, a different story each episode. Uh, Mm -hmm. Samantha Luthwaite, the partner of one of the London bombers. Felician Kabuga, the financer of the genocide in Rwanda. Um, All of the stories are really interesting, telling the saga of their crimes, the hunt for them, hinting at where they are all now, because, of course, they're all still at large mm. um so there's a big hope that this series will track one or more of them down it's basically australia's most wanted on steroids 
Um, It's definitely worth adding to your list. World's Most Wanted on Netflix. And the second of the Netflix docuseries is Immigration Nation. This six-episode series consists of footage filmed from 2017 to 2020 of the US Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, commonly called ICE, and their work during the Trump era. Prior to the release of the series, filmmakers were faced with legal threats. ICE sought to delay the release until after the 2020 US elections. And watching it, you can see why. Um, From the very first episode, the inhumanity, the cruelty, the politically motivated decision-making to separate parents from their children, the lack of any discernible immigration policy other than playing to the Trump base is all on display to see. It's incredibly fascinating, incredibly sad. Um, I'm actually on the fence about whether or not I'm recommending this one because I found it so emotionally affecting. It was actually really hard to watch. Um, But in the end, I do think it's an important watch. And even though it's the US system, you can't help coming away with some questions about our very own immigration policy here in Australia. So be in the right headspace for this one, but it is very well made. And ultimately, I found a compelling series. Um, So check it out, Immigration Nation on Netflix. Big change of pace now because you'll need it after that one. And a bit of a competition action series, World's Toughest Race Eco Challenge Fiji on Amazon Prime. Bear Grylls hosts this reality competition series, which follows the story of the ultimate expedition race in which 66 teams from 30 countries race nonstop for 11 days, 24 hours a day, across hundreds of miles of rugged Fijian terrain, complete with mountains, jungles, rivers and ocean. Imagine the amazing race times by a gazillion uh, and you're halfway there with this one. The pictures are incredible. The challenge is intense. Ten episodes, very bingeable, perfect weekend viewing. I cannot recommend this one enough. World's toughest challenge – no, world's toughest race eco challenge, Fiji, on Amazon Prime. Yep. And finally this week, a show Malk mentioned briefly last week, but I wanted to give a bit more of a spotlight to this week. And it's one that's been getting a lot of buzz online too. I'll Be Gone in the Dark on Foxtel and Binge. This is the six-part true crime docuseries that tells the story of Michelle McNamara, esteemed writer and wife of comedian Patton Oswalt, as she writes a book about and investigates the Golden State Killer, who committed at least 13 murders, about 50 rapes, and over 1,200 burglaries in California between 1973 and 1986. Mm. This documentary is less of a story of a hunt for a killer and more of a story of Michelle McNamara's desperate drive, verging on obsession to get to the truth of this case and finish her book and the impact that drive has on her personally. I put the first episode of this one on and ended up watching all six back to back. It was absolutely compelling. Yeah, I could not step away. It's raw. You're totally invited into the world with the help of interviews, excerpts from the book. So, 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 so good. My only slight complaint is it feels a bit bloated in parts. There were times where it felt like we were hitting the same story beat three or four times when one would have sufficed. So I think it could have done with a good edit. But on the whole, for any true true crime fan out there, this is one you will absolutely want to push to the very head of your watch list. It's that good. I'll be gone in the dark on Foxtel and Binge gets a big clap from me. And Malcolm, I know you've watched the rest of it too. Yeah, look, loved it. Just consumed me in the same way. Um, At the risk of sounding a bit wanky, um, 
Patton Oswalt is good mates with Dave Anthony, who I've met a few times and hung out and got to interview, who's a, a comic that uh, is the host of The Dollop. And I, I, I first heard about Michelle's passing from Dave, because Dave right. and his wife, good mates with Patton and Michelle. And, and they were gutted, absolutely. Because as is kind of shown on the doco, nobody knew. Nobody knew mm. why she died. Mm. It was just she was a she was awake, uh, uh, you know, living. Patton dropped yeah. off her coffee and came back and she was dead. Yeah. It was that kind yes. of, tra like, traumatic. Um, and to hear, uh, and I hadn't heard of Michelle before that. You know, you could, could have walked past her in the street. Mm. But to hear the stuff that was said about her, and we saw a snippet of her uh, memorial service that was held in uh, LA and people talking about how great she was. It just, it, for me, it just kind of hit home. I, I get it. Like, I know why these these people, Dave and his wife, and of course, all of her friends, and of course, especially Patton and their daughter, were mm. so upset with her passing because she was just one of those people that kind of connected and drew people to herself and was a part of all of that, but also happy to not be in, in the spotlight. Mm. Like, that was mm. Patton's job, to yeah. be in the spotlight. And, and it, just, it was just one of those moments where I kind of went, a, a guy lost his wife, a, a girl lost her mum. You can't fix that. It was yeah. traumatic and horrible and so great and so ironic that when, what, the, the book timing, is released, yeah. Yeah. you know, just phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. I agree, there could have been a bit of tighter edit, but I just loved it. And and I'm not a true crime fan, but I loved mm. it. Okay. Yeah. Big raps. Yeah, big raps for that one. So check that one out on Foxtel and Binge. So that is what we've been watching this past week. How about you? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We're at TV underscore binge box on Twitter or TV Binge Box Podcast Gang on Facebook. All right, let's keep this train rolling. It's time now for... Rewind. Malk, what have you been revisiting this week? Friends, coronavirus has affected us all and absolutely has uh, decimated our tourist industry. So yes. tonight's Rewind is back to a simpler time. A time when uh, women in wet t-shirts could promote your <sighs> TV show unabashed. Um, a time when orange combis ploughed through the bulldust and opened up our nation to us in a way we had never seen before. I'm so nervous. Let's see oh, if this theme on? song gives you yes. a hint. Yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> yes. You've got to wait for the lyrics because it's the best part. It was the Leyland Brothers. I thought they were an urban myth. They existed. Oh, Joe, to say that they are not an urban myth is an understatement. This is an amazing TV show. Mike and Mel Leyland entered into the Australian lexicon in 1976 after putting together a pilot, a half-hour show where they and their families travelled around a bit of Australia and revealed to you via Super 8 camera work that they filmed and edited themselves. Wow. So they were the original like. reality yeah. TV. And they packed their families into respective combis. They had trailers on the back. They camped. You know, they did all of that stuff. And they revealed to a nation that there was heaps to see, kind of getting through the cultural cringe of, but I have to go to a resort or whatever, that there's a whole world out there in Australia phenomenal storytelling they did 153 episodes over yes. five seasons of what became known as ask the Leyland brothers um it it was in itself incredible 
Did they win logos and stuff? Um, so here's the thing. No. No. Were they invited? No. <laughs> um, well, I, I put it this way. For mine, uh, Mal Leyland, who is the surviving brother of the, the pair, absolutely should be inducted into Logie's Hall of Fame and the Leyland okay. brothers should be included for what they did both for Australian TV as much as the Australian tourism industry. Um, the, I it was totally very... agree. That's a great idea, Mal. You should start a campaign. Yeah. Oh, well, look, at this point, with no Logies, we could just <laughs> well, do it ourselves and say it's a binge. The Binge Box oh. Hall of Fame. How about that? The first inductee. It was just one it. of those moments I remember as a kid, Sunday nights, sitting down with my family, hearing that music start, and you had to watch. My, I mean, mum and dad were interested anyway, but it was compelling because they were going to places where there were waterfalls and they were going to, you know, honestly, I learnt later, taking places that VW Combis should not have gone. Uh, they did graduate to, I think it was Toyota Land Cruisers or big four-wheel drives, which helped them. Um, it was such a, t- a cultural touchstone. 1976 to 1980, it was on air. Um, it was absolutely the height of their success. They did have some other shows that came later. There is now, of course, well-documented, a very famous falling out between Mike and Mal over the building of Leyland Brothers World, north of Newcastle, that... Um, Made them complete both with broke. old quarter-sized airs rock. Yeah, you all see the from the highway climb. on the way up, and and <laughs> only a few years ago, burnt to the ground yeah. um, because it was all fiberglass. So as soon as there was a hint of fire, that thing was toast. Um, as I said, the the brothers fell out over it and didn't speak for a long, long time. Um, there's an excellent Australian story on Mal Leyland. Uh, that should be on ABC iView, where it talks a bit about sort of some of that history and even talks about Mike and Mal reconciling just as Mike reveals that he is dying of Parkinson's disease. Mm. Um, uh, and I learnt in the, the, the looking up for this that Mal's wife, Lorraine, sadly passed away two years ago. Um, and they had retired to Tasmania and because they had nothing, Mal was physically building their house out of the trees on the property that they had managed to secure. Wow. Like it's incredible these guys um the leyland brothers 50 episodes are available on youtube of all places so you won't necessarily find all 153 but i I recommend to you to check it out it's kitsch it is absolutely australia in the late 70s it is an incredible look at tv and filmmaking like we'll never see again except for the fact that because we won't be able to have you know the amazing race going overseas or getaway going to phuket um, mm-hmm. maybe there's an opportunity for mm-hmm. a new brand of Leyland Brothers coming out of this to help us realise that there are many great places we could go in Australia to celebrate and enjoy what a lucky country we are. Indeed. All right, thank you, Mock. I did not see that one coming, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate it very much. <laughs> All right, thank you. We have to take a very quick break now, but don't go anywhere because Group Binge is coming at you on the other side of this. And Robin Robbo. Media executive Rob McKnight. Something brand new is coming to your social media feed. Big Brother winner Ben Norris. This is something bold and informative with a side of humour. And journalist David Robbo Robinson. It's truly going to be something different. Ben Robin Robbo Show starts April 20. Go to tvblackbox.com.au slash BRR for more information. 
it's a bin. Rob and Rob bin. Rob and Rob Ocean. Rob and Rob Ocean. Yes, the Ben Robin Robbo Show is beaming into your TV black box social feeds and over at Tiki TV every Monday through Thursday from 1pm. Check it out. Time now for... Group Binge. Rookie, you're in the driver's seat this week. We were over on SBS. We are, and thank you, Bingies. We asked on our Facebook group what we should be group binging. We put it out there. We had 107 comments, so many great shows to Mm. choose from. Big thanks to Danielle Nimmo, Kieran Moore, Alura Taralga, and Catherine Capalupo, who all voted very enthusiastically for Why Women Kill, which you can find on SBS On Demand. It's a dark comedy drama. It's about three women, about the three couples, set in three different eras. But the catch here is that it's all set in the same mansion in Pasadena, California. Mark Cherry created this drama for CBS All Access, so it's a lot more explicit than his other show, the much-loved Desperate Housewives, Mm. his smash hit from the noughties, which Joe so... Fortuitously. uh, Fortuitously gave us a great rewind for just a week or two ago. So the drama is centred around these three different couples. There's Rob and Beth Ann in 1963, Simone and Carl in 1984, and Taylor and Eli in 2019. And I think the different eras are very well realised. Lucy Liu, acting-wise, is the standout, I think, as Suzanne, the bitchy socialite who's trapped in a marriage with her gay husband, Jack Davenport, who you might remember from This Life, proving his acting chops. Other notable stars in it, Jennifer Goodwin is back in the 60s as Beth Ann, the cliched helpless housewife, or is she? And Veep's Reed Scott stars as Eli, who is Mm. a script writer who basically lives off his lawyer. He was great, honestly. Oh, well... That's a source of contention we'll okay. get on to later. I thought I'd start with Joe Casamento. Oh. Joe, you've been married. You're a mother. We've all been to your house. So yep. when I flung that box of popcorn all over your <laughs> sofa, I really <laughs> saw you were a desperate housewife. Those eyes did not lie. Uh, you're possibly even the target market for this drama. So it reminded me a lot of Desperate Housewives. 15 years on is that a fair criticism or is there more to the show and if it is just like desperate housewives is there in fact anything wrong with that okay so to answer your question oh when i uh, did the rewind of desperate housewives i had no Mm. idea that this was like you said pretty much the same formula but what a good formula it was like Slipping on a, a comfy pair of shoes for anyone who di- did love Desperate Housewives. You are absolutely right, Brookie. Well, when I heard about this show, I, everything about it, I thought this sounds great and right up my street. Was that the same for you? Really? It, it, it absolutely was. But I think it is still relevant because it was so good. It's like a perfectly choreographed tango or a perfectly made cake all the ingredients are so good that why wouldn't you? You know, it's like your favourite thing. Why wouldn't you revisit it? The casting, the costumes, 
the sets. I mean, that suburban housing where people are, you know, coming across lanes and, and into each other's houses with cups of sugar, the comedy, the sharp writing, just had everything for me. And I just I enjoyed wanna, it. I do want to have props out for Sheila, who in 1963 is the oh. Italian wisecracking oh, plane-talking neighbour yeah. who decides that she's going to take Beth Ann under her wing and teach her how to be assertive. She was a special I know. Character. She, says, she says this funny line in it where the, one of the kids comes up to her and says something like, oh, he hit me. He hit she me, says, he hit me. And she's like, well, who am I, your bodyguard? You know, like very, <laughs> very him, But Dan said hit him back, hit him back. Yeah, exactly. Dan, like, uh, like all Mark Cherry productions, the opening titles are important and I think they really get you in the mood. They're a very clever over-the-top animation with some great music, a cartoonish, if you like, scenarios of women killing their husbands. Mm -hmm. And the tone seems to be really crucial for this series. Is that the writer creating that or the director? Because it seems to me something they really got right. Yeah, I think it would have been on the page in this case. Sometimes it's the director that creates it, but I think in this case, Mark Cherry would have put all that stuff on the page. Did you like the tone? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, very clever writing and direction. Um, seamless transitions. I, I did like the tone. I did worry that a little bit um, in the 1960s, it started to get a little bit cartoonish at times. Mm. Um, but then just when I thought they were tipping over, they did pull it back. So they were walking a very fine line, but then I think stayed just on the right side of it. Um, look, this one's been around for a while and I'd never felt compelled to put it on. But I'm glad I did. I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Um, I Lucy wanted to Lewin... ask you actually about some specific things, which was yeah. the narration, which seems to be yes. Mark Cherry special. Yep. Uh, we've got a neighbour of this um, mansion and we see this kid as he starts off in the 60s and then becomes an old man in one episode and mm. he keeps getting called out when something dramatic happens and talks about it firstly to his mother but then to his wife. And also we've got an undertaker or a morgue attendant who is in a couple of episodes and they are kind of framing the action for us a bit. Yeah, so I've only seen the first two. So I've seen the neighbour doing his voiceover. So okay. I'm not Each one right. is different. So every episode, because okay. there's ten and I binge them all, every episode has a different narrator at the beginning. It's sometimes a okay. child that's, that's in heaven now. It might be two, three supreme-like singers tango dancers it's just done it's very funny and very clever and it's done differently it's a episode. very mark cherry thing to yeah. do yeah it's a sort of and tie also the there's together. little threads that go through the different eras pecan yes. nuts and pecan pie in one yep. episode i don't know if you got up to that yeah. yet dan or not but uh, what did you think of lucy yeah. lou uh, to me she was the standout yeah lucy oh. lou in shoulder pads is perfection oh, um, her outfits the, her house her gym gear the yeah, track suits she was what great she was and she got the best in. So good. The best dialogue. Um, the only thing I thought with her story was I kind of feel like we've seen the secretly gay husband story. A zillion times. A zillion times. So I hope that they do something a little bit more interesting with it down the track. As I said, I've only got up to episode two. Well, and the other thing I handily here, and I suspect that the answer to this is going to be yes, we have Steve Malk. I'm assuming you have watched the entire series. Uh, Brookie, I dreaded the idea of watching the series <laughs> when it was pitched to us. I was like, oh, God, really? And and I was sold from the opening top, from that. Right. It, I'm it, so happy it was to the, hear that. 
Was it the gentleman? There was the husbands on the black screen, the wasn't first, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the end, yeah. the tale of the episode is the ladies on the black screen. Yeah. Um, but have you watched the whole thing? I, I, I could not help myself. Okay. I had to know. I, I had to finish. Because getting on to Dan's point, it's been suggested by a few of our posters and commenters that there are twists and turns not only in the plot, but also dramatic and emotional. Oh, it keeps you guessing things the whole maybe way. are not what they seem in the original setup. Did you find that to be true? Yeah, absolutely, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely steer away from any kind of even thinking about episode ten because well, someone the whole... said they cried in one of the later episodes. I don't know if you. Saw I, that I would comment. completely believe that, and I will Was take you to task. While no, it wasn't Was me. It? Okay. Uh, I will take you to task though. While Lucy Liu in shoulder pads amazing and look she got some great lines but that was as much as anything because of her character's interplay with her husband mm. and and he mate he they wrote some amazing lines for him carl dry gay carl was to die for sheila was an absolute standout as mm. well i agree there um but jennifer goodwin mm. as yes, the the bad. 1950s spurned housewife who discovers 60s. her husband 60s. sorry 1960s um discovers her husband is having an affair and Again, without spoiling anything, how that progresses for her. Mm. Her story arc I, I is agree with outrageous. You, yeah, there is a moment that she has in this dingy mm. dark alley, uh, or you know, uh, in a in a room off a dingy dark alley that I just I, I couldn't. I don't think I blinked. It was that amazing just to see it, wow. and it's not huge action. It was just a moment that I went, "Holy crap!" The reminder of that that was the time, and this was a thing, and this is how these things worked. It was so good, and mm. and I it took me back to all of the things that I did love about Desperate Housewives mm. before I fell out of love with it. Mm. Well, I, I'm with you. you I'm with you, Malk. I'm not with you, Malk, and I, in mm-hmm. fact, are the complete opposite. You didn't want to watch it, and then fell in love. Mm. I really wanted to watch it and loved everything about the first episode. I oh, watched no. half of them, and I have fallen out of love with this show. Wow, oh. okay. And I think it interestingly enough, because when I was railing against Joe Casamento about <laughs> Succession because it didn't have heart, I don't like these characters. I just oh, but they have redeeming features, Pookie, and contrived. And I have totally. I think the worst offenders are in 2019, where Taylor and Eli, who have the mm, open sure. relationship, and uh, spoiler alert invite someone else into their open relationship and I just found that entirely unconvincing I just don't think that people go around and talk about their open relationship ad nauseum in every single scene uh, I didn't find the sort of sexual interplay convincing in one of the other eras we've got mm-hmm. the um, housewife having a sexual relationship with a teenager which is completely what happened in Desperate Housewives. Yeah, very Gabriel. Yeah, I was going to mention yeah. that. Yeah, and, and they did uh, it better in Housewives. Yeah, it may well have been that I binged watched this a bit too quickly because I felt I needed to prep for this show. But Indian Matchmakers is just far better and more real and more emotionally affecting. And I desperately do want to find out what happens. But I think after the show, I'm going to get you guys. To tell me because I don't want to sit through another. So how file. far in did you get? Rookie, Rookie. I'm halfway through. I'm halfway I am, through because yeah. I found unlike Succession, we I can't found the for Dean either. By the way, he's only on two down. 
But oh, I yeah, found the right. momentum. I'm episode six. Okay. I'm right. episode six. I, so I found them halfway through, and I don't want to continue. I'm giving it two oh. and a half stars. Ouch! Oh. Ouch! Joe, sorry, we're interrupting you. Sorry, I was just saying that unlike Succession, for me, the ment- momentum in the plot did build brilliantly. Yeah. It. Uh, I felt you were guessing the entire way. You knew there's going to be these three killings, but oh, okay. So that's another bugbear of mine. But you don't know who, so you're actually left guessing right up to the last bit. Like Big Little Lies, I was entirely gripped by that, and I did binge watch that on a flight to America at the urging of some of my friends I was traveling (laughs) in. And then halfway through, I stopped and I said, "Okay, um, uh, who done it? Come on!" And they said, "Well, we're not going to tell you." And I'm like, "But we don't even know who the murderer is for this." And they said, "No." And I said. Okay, we don't even know who gets killed. And they said, no. And I said, when do we find out? And they said, in the last five minutes. And oh, to no, me, it's... that was wow. But here, maybe it's a little too subtle for me, but I just cannot work out who is uh, going to be killed or is going to be the potential killer. And they kind of suggest it, but I'm not entirely sure that there's a few giant red herrings in that. And it's too slow. Get on with it. I, I entirely agree, Brookie, that for a 10-episode series, and this airs on CBS All Access in the States, so this is a streaming product, um, it, it it could have done with some script editing to bring... It could have been eight. Yeah. And maybe that's that's just, you know, the time and that there's lots of eight-episode series and stuff now. Um, though, Dad, I think... where we needed your A couple of those things together, I still think, we, yeah. We need you in there with scene, scene more. You'll have to come back next week and... and... Are you intending to finish it, Dan, or are you turned off by it? Where do you land? Oh, well, this is an interesting, interesting one. So I thought the pilot was fantastic. So the pilot mm. is a, you know, a standalone is a great pilot. Yes. I got to the end of the second one and I actually had some time. So I could have continued watching that or I could have put something else on and I actually put something else on. So ah, you that's kind of telling. I'm not, doco, didn't you? Yeah, mm. I'm not intending to not watch the rest of them, but I'm not hanging out out to watch the rest of them so okay. overall it's a three out of five from me right mm. okay so now we get on to our supporters joe mm. well i've got my pouty face on because dan and i are usually in sync and i'm <laughs> so just saying okay. it's because you didn't do all your homework that you're not loving it yeah probably it could be i Have think you watched the whole thing i don't think we established that joe yes absolutely i was up to episode six when i went to bed at 3 a.m last night and because i'm doing succession and our next week's wow, which i just couldn't help double. dirty that's john cool. i've yeah. done that's because i couldn't that's not a triple but, but john, I, know. I so wanted to love it in the way that i thought i was going oh. to you could have bonded on that how many stars are you getting? oh from the tongue-in-cheek tone to the opening credits which are very very, you know, comic book, Sinatra singing. I think the it just gets the tone right. It's absorbing, entertaining, comfortably familiar, and just a pure delight. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five. Oh, it nice. was an absolute Goodness delight me. for me. Okay, Malk, you have watched the whole thing. You were sceptical yep. at the start. You became a surprising... A All of us <laughs> became an incredibly enthusiastic <laughs> convert who picked that plot twist <laughs> see I, give, look, us, my taste, give us your give us your summation and then your score my tastes are wide and varied brookie um look a, again i almost i almost feel like i want to re-watch it just to write down every one of carl's pithy one-liners <laughs> would, would would not surprise any of us if we came back next week to find out that that in fact was, was what had happened <laughs> it was so great i watched it in probably three breaks across my saturday 
to about sort of 1am um, just because I, it got to the point where I went, it's 10 o'clock, I'm starting episode 8. Yes, I will finish this. Was this a yes, solo watch this. or was this with Lovely Wife? Because I kind of think it, it could be a couple's view. Oh, it could be. I don't think this would be her to her tastes. She's an NCIS fan, as an example. Um, look, it's a solid four and a half fake eyelashes wow. out of five. Um, I, nice milk! Oh, I love that. Absolutely. I encourage you to stick into it, Dan. I encourage yeah. you to, to go back or at least talk it out with us, Brookie. The really good news for fans is that season two has been called oh, yeah. uh, Three New Women, Three New Stories. So and in an three anthology new eras, I believe so. Oh great! But that's the catch. Okay. As an anthology series, I think that's got its best potential. Okay, Though so these stories all will... wrap up. Yes, yes, and beautifully, Dan. As a scriptwriter, yes, I urge you to just see how he weaves it all. And as you picked up with the pick and pine, Brookie, every episode has those you know merging of storylines within the house, whether they're in the. I'm going to watch the rest of it and, and come back. And it's with the a, whole sixty minutes. It's perfectly paced. The whole 60 minutes perfectly of that final for it to come together. It is okay. divine. Um, none of it is telegraphed other than we know a woman kills. Mm. It reminded yeah, me a bit of those old uh, whodunit sort of Cluedo-esque sort of stage shows, you know, where you that's could... So up my alley. So, yeah, I need to continue with it. Okay. It'll be interesting to see where, just to jump in, sorry, be interesting to see where season two lands because with CBS All Access getting rebranded and relaunched in Australia in March 2021. 20, uh, well, they'll want it, won't they? You would think so. But if SBS have shown it here, did they just get the first season or have they picked it up for the entire series? Ooh. We'll Look, find out, I but it's to our credit. Joe we'll get it. Steve, job well done because you have yes. worn Dan down. From <laughs> studied indifference. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't get it for quite a while, and then he has now committed to watching it. So I will watch the rest of it because yes, right. true yeah, crime to high gloss. Part two tomorrow, to part two next week. <laughs> I think we haven't left this one alone. And we when will, Dan taps out I'll at the end with... of the recording, Brookie, we will fill you in. Well, now I'm. Uh, I can't. Oh, you go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. You've only got four to go. You should watch them. Surely. I even wrote down the last line from each character because it just resonated so well. Honestly, it was such a worthwhile watch. Okay, now you've got me excited. All right, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. We're out of time. What a shame. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Brookie. Next week, our group bins is a show that has just about everybody talking right now. It dropped last week and it's already set Netflix alight. Joe is clapping madly with excitement. It's season two of the anthology series Dirty John, this time called Dirty John, the Betty Broderick story, starring Amanda Peet and Christian Slater. This eight-part series is based on the true story of American Mm. murderess Betty Broderick. I remember her from her famous interview on Oprah. Oprah. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, You can check that out on YouTube if you want a a bit of an added extra and to see her in real life and to see just how well Amanda Peet... um, tackles this but anyway um this is the scripted series scripted version of that complicated story as i said it's got lots of people talking already and our friends over on facebook have indicated that they want us to talk about it so Mm -hmm. talk about it we will dirty john the betty broderick story on netflix make sure you watch along with us so you can join in the discussion drop us a line we're at tv underscore binge box on twitter and tv binge box podcast gang god that's a mouthful on (laughs) facebook of course 
And speaking of Facebook, it's been another busy week on our page, hasn't it, Joe? It has. They are a mouthful and they're a mouthful. They're a, they're a lot. They're a lot. There's a call uh, for <laughs> that we're growing, growing in numbers, you know. By next week, we might be up to 1,500. Who knows? <gasps> There's a call for our future group binge, Dan, on the one you cut yes. this week. I'll be gone in the dark by our oh, new member, okay. new member Kate Phillips. Um, there's a lot of excitement building for those uh, series twos and threes that have been announced. Mm. Succession series three, I think. Tiger King series two. Yep. Yeah. Women Who Kill series two. Perry Mason series two, which you guys yes. have been loving. Uh, a lot of love for good gu- good girls. Sorry, Michael Haddad, who I usually agree with, so I'm going to give that a go. And the Good Fight. Andrew Zerz recommending Boardwalk Empire by Brooke Stoddart, who's up in Queensland, and I used to work with Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Uh, She's watching with her hubby on Binge. That's Boardwalk Empire, which I never did, so I might go back and do that. Mm. And Amazon Prime's Alex Ryder by uh, Scooter Wellborn. I think that's his name. Scooter, yes. Uh, He recommends Alex Ryder. Who was my yes. mum's neighbour? Oh, hello! That. So, hi, Auntie. Cher. You really did hi. invite everybody to this group. Your mum's neighbour. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I thought I'm going to be like you, very selective. And then <laughs> when everybody seemed to be loving it, I just went nuts. Mm. <laughs> just a few other quick Facebooking things. Shane was heaped on Mr. Stephen Brooks for not having seen Breaking Bad. Breaking mm. Bad by his friend, I think Sam Leckie and Tash Robinson. Uh, he took my heat because I haven't seen it either. Big yeah, calls uh, for oh, uh, some swear it's the best show ever. Mm. You, would you say one hundred percent is one hundred percent is the well, best modern drama oh, I've well, ever hold seen. Hold on, hold on. You need now, now need to make. A, am I watching Breaking Bad or am I watching Women? Why Women Kill? It's, it's, well, you know. I think finish need... Why Women Kill. Okay. Yes. Thank you. But the post o- only of the because... week. Oh, okay. Uh, only because no, no, we've no, been no, talking no, no. so much about it. Post of the week. Post of the Post week, of the week goes to Mel Sappho, who asked oh. if you had to be trapped in a TV show for yes. a month. Yes. Which show would you choose? I, of course, went down to an Abbey. Of course, I'd be upstairs with the family. Naturally. Being served on fine silver. That'd be a bit of me. What about you fellas? Well, I thought I'd belong in Will and Grace Lang, so I thought with Karen and her liquor cup that, cabinet, that, was cabinet a good call. that would um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, see us through for a month. Honestly. Brookie, I imagine you're going back in a time machine with the Daleks yeah, or something. I what are you doing? Yeah. I would do I just watched the Daleks, like the original 1963 oh, second uh, episode story of Doctor Who, and it was an epic still... Um, oh, I'm God, why actually, did I ask him? Oh, God. Yeah, why did <laughs> you, so, aren't you too busy now? Don't you have a job? My new series, Brookie's TV Memorabilia. Oh, my goodness. Oh, of course, the... the Dish that you used to eat off. The tray. The tray. I ate off it. I ate off it on Sunday night. It's it's the Rovers. It's 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 the Queen Vic. It's the East Enders. Enders. Oh my goodness. Mark, listeners, there's going to be a new memorabilia every week. So. Oh my goodness. Oh goodness. Um, I was I was going to admit that I wanted to land as a house guest in uh, in that of the the Keaton family from Family Ties in 1980s America. Um, as much as anything, because I wanted to hang out with Alex P. Keaton. He was always my favourite. Even though our politics might not have aligned, I just love, love, love Michael J. Fox. However, after our group binge this week, either I am Sheila's neighbour in the 60s or I am hanging out with Lucy Liu and her husband in the 80s and goodness gracious, do I want to go to one of their parties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun. You'd have to have shoulder pads though, Mark. 
Mate, I will wear shoulder pads just to get. I'll, wear, I'll only wear a shoulder pad if I can Actually, get in. Actually, I might. I wouldn't mind uh, hanging out with the Leyland brothers and seeing Australia. Oh me? God, yeah, I couldn't think of anything go. worse. Wear t-shirts and all, oh. brother. Yeah. Yep. As long as there's five star hotels and no camping. Mate, solid roof, four and a half star minimum. That's mine. Yep. Mm. <laughs> all right. But On thank you to all our Facebookers, um, and we love, love, love hearing what you're watching and, and seeing all the responses. It's fantastic. We sure do. Thank you very much, Joe. That brings us to the end of this week's party. Huge thanks, as always, to our binge boxes, Malk, Joe and Brookie. Where can we find you on the socials, Malk? I'm at Steve Malk on everywhere that is important. Friends, continue to keep listening. Tell your friends. In fact, this week, the challenge isn't to give us a a five-star and glowing review, which we still want you to do, quite frankly. The challenge this week is to, to sit down five of your friends and convince them that they need to have this podcast in their podcast feed. Grab their phones, subscribe them when subscribe, they're not looking. Subscribe. Do what you need to do. Just get them listening to the TV Binge Box podcast because I suspect this conversation in this week's group binge will be enough to hook them in. Indeed. No, 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 no. Joe. Okay. <laughs> I'm just giving you. one. At joe.casamento yep. on Instagram. You'll find me cooking. I've got to post the rest of tonight's dinner. Only I got follow your through. cooking posts. They make me very hungry. Yeah. No, no, no. I've eaten it. I just haven't posted the rest of it. Oh. I saw um, you right. torturing one of your daughters. Uh, Brookie is at Viscount Brookie, and I would love to wrap this up because I now have the rest of episode six of Why We Yes, you do. Good watch. man. See? You guys did a great job. You've converted us. I might watch another one right now, too. I hope you guys love it because, goodness gracious, it will break my heart. I know. If you don't. I yeah. Know. All right. And I'm at Dan M. Bennett on Twitter and underscore Dan M. Bennett on Instagram. Thanks to everyone for listening. We look forward to your company again next week for more TV Binge Box. Until then, we're out. Bye.